Welcome to the Secret Life of Cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. Hello, and welcome to 2023 and the first podcast of the year. Now, our political year started off at a sprint with all the hijinks in the House of Representatives. And now, with our gas stoves being threatened, can you hear that noise? It's my eyes rolling. And a special investigator appointed to check out Joe Biden's garage, I thought my first guest needed to help us to take it all apart and put it back together. And there is no one better than Allison Gill, who I am pleased to welcome to our episode today. But before we tuck into the podcast, if you don't already, please help me feed that beast, the algorithm, and follow me on Twitter at Marissa Rothkopf. And please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a thing. Kicking off the third year, Vavumsky of the Secret Life of Cookies podcast is none other than, and I couldn't think of a better person to do it with, Allison Gill. Uh, nice to have you. Hello. It's great to see your wonderful face again. How it's are nice, you? I'm very well, and it's nice to see your wonderful face, too. Um, we um, come screeching into this podcast about 15 minutes after Merrick Garland has just made an announcement. Um, I, I caught it quickly about cr- creating a special counsel to look after Mr. Uh, the President Biden's um, top-secret paper shuffling. <laughs> and this is good. This is a good thing because first of all, I'm I'm pretty convinced that there's no crime here with the with the Biden thing. A lot of people are saying there has to be evidence of a crime to appoint a special counsel. I disagree with that. The regulations say that the AG can appoint a special counsel if they feel a criminal investigation is warranted. It doesn't say anything about probable cause of evidence of a crime like something you would need to say confiscate the phone of a congressman named Scott Perry, then you would need to have evidence of a crime or search a resort in West Palm Beach to look for things. You have to have evidence of a crime. So I'm pretty convinced, and these are the Trump appointed U.S. attorney who has been reviewing this for the last two and a half months, by the way, for anyone who's going to come up in my timeline and say, oh, it looks like Merrick Garland can do fast stuff when it's not about Donald. I took two and a half months to do this review, and he made the recommendation that it needs that a special counsel is warranted. He didn't say why a special counsel is warranted, but he well he did say because of the immense public interest and the huge conflict of interest and our independence at the Justice Department. But I just want to remind everybody: two and a half months. This is this has been going on this investigation into Biden's documents. It was within a month of receiving the information at the DOJ about the Trump documents that a subpoena was issued. And it was July, August, two months after that, that a search warrant was executed. And they still don't think they have all the documents back from Donald. So I don't really want to hear anybody. It's been two years to get to Trump. Why just so it hasn't been? It, it, it's the same. It's it actually went a little bit faster with Donald Trump than it did with the Joe Biden investigation. But I'm glad it's going to be even Stevens now. Everybody gets a special counsel. You get a special counsel. You get a special <laughs> counsel. 
<laughs> That's right. Um, and this is, to me, the part that is even, Stephen, because what Joe Biden probably did and what um, Donald Trump did, literally, from what I can see from my vantage point of my kitchen, is not even, Stephen. It is apples and orangutans, as Jen Psaki just said on MSNBC a few minutes ago, which she picked up from some uncredited source. Very, very different, different things. Extraordinarily different things. And, but there are a lot. I mean, it is what we are 12 days into the new year. There's a lot going on. And I want to have you on the show for your fantastic and brilliant prognostications. Also, I like saying the word prognostication. <laughs> Doesn't it make me sound fast? It's not like orangutan, but you know, prognostication. You say you the prognostication and the glasses together are chef's kiss. <laughs> I, you know, I have no trouble coming across as a nerd. It's like a natural thing for me. So the first 12 days of the year, how have you been feeling so far about 2023? Great. 2022 was the year of investigations. 2023 needs to be the year of accountability. And so far, so good, to be honest with you, um, with everything that the special counsel, well, special counsel won and (laughs) everything Um, Jack Smith is doing has been very aggressive. And, and, you know, that's something else that's important to point out. Jack Smith and Merrick Garland have known about the Biden documents since before Jack Smith was appointed special counsel. And so his aggression going after the documents case for Trump shows that he does not give a hoo-ha about the political nature of what's going on with Joe Biden's documents. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone's like worried, like, oh, will this make it harder for Jack Smith to do his work? No, clearly not, because he's been doing his work and he's been doing it super hard. So, yeah, you have a fantastic, reasonably new relatively new podcast called I, I, you now, now just refer to it as Jack, although I, it's initial name really you can't use. So I suspect so, um, <laughs> but it's just called Jack and, um, it's all, it, it, you have this fantastic picture of Jack Smith sort of peering out at us like, don't worry, I will get it done. It's a very reassuring photo of him. I find, uh, that I'd love to see a picture of him smiling, but not for a while. In the meantime, um, why did you start this podcast? I love it. It has been so um, heartwarming, reassuring, and uh, clarifying for me. But uh, why did you start it in the first place? Well, thank you. Well, uh, uh, most folks will remember probably who's li- who listened to your amazing podcast. Uh, I had a podcast about the Mueller investigation called Mueller She Wrote, and that's my handle on Twitter, and that's kind of how I'm known. It was the number one podcast for all things about the special counsel investigation. And five years later, almost to the day, if you had told me five years ago that there was going to be another special counsel, but that I could talk about it with my new friends, Andrew Weissman, Chuck Rosenberg, Pete Strzok, Andy McCabe, I would have been like, get out of town, get out of my kitchen. But here we are. And honestly, what happened was once the special counsel was named, I got thousands and thousands of messages and letters and people saying, hey, hey, are you going to do a podcast? You know, Jack Smith, she wrote or whatever. (laughs) Because, you know, people uh, turn to us for special counsel information. We brought it to them in the Mueller investigation. And 
that's what I wanted to do now. And my co-host, Andrew McCabe, who is... Who to thunk? <laughs> right? <laughs> Former acting director of the FBI and me, Jane Lunchpail, you know, kitchen table podcaster, hosting a podcast about the special counsel. And I'm interested now to see if anybody wants to start a, a podcast about Robert Hur, the new special counsel, uh, and what they'll call that. Um, well, you, gosh, we have to think of some uh, good puns for that one, so good plays on words. But so far, how do you feel, let's say, about Jack from the get-go? And I just want to, before you get into that, I want to point out, you know, because this is a show where we talk about what's going on in the world and bake. My first thing that I'm baking for this year is a reflection of my sourness towards the Republicans. Now I'm making an orange and cranberry, as we say in England, a tea loaf, um, which is packed with orange flavor. And uh, pecans, because I really like pecans and cranberries, just to get it all in there. So let's talk a little about Jack Smith. I want to apply two measures to everything that you say. And the one is, what are you girding your loins for this year? And what are you hopeful for this year? So in the case of Jack Smith, let's just kick off with the big guns. What are you hopeful for? And what are you girding your loins for? Well, just in general, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I have, you know, a lot of people accuse me of always saying, we're going to get Trump. The walls are closing in on Trump. Like I've been saying that for years. In fact, the first time I ever said that I thought Trump would be indicted was just a couple of months ago after we found out that there was video surveillance of Walt Malta, the Diet Coke boy, moving classic documents from a closet to an office. And once that happened, the Diet Coke boy. Yeah. <laughs> once that happened, it occurred to me that in that three week period that Merrick Garland was trying to decide whether or not to sign off on a search warrant for Mar a Lago, he knew that he had that video surveillance, he had that information from Walt Nada. He wasn't making a decision just to sign off on a search warrant, he was making a decision as to whether or not he'd be willing to prosecute a former president. Because he knows better than anyone that if Crimes of a fruit or fruits of a crime. Crimes of a fruit. <laughs> I'm doing a- crimes to a fruit right here. Some yes, you are. You're making your delicious orange cranberry. Yeah. Uh, and if fruits of a crime were discovered in that search warrant, he had better be ready to follow the facts and the law, like he's been saying for so long. So that was not just a signature to sign off on a search warrant. That was a signature to sign off on prosecuting a former president. And when it got down to it. And when, it, you know, uh, Trump announced his presidency and when we started getting close to perhaps having to subpoena members of Congress in order to insulate the department from politicization, he appointed a special counsel. So I am very he didn't he didn't bring in a closer to shut down the case, you know, so I'm very hopeful that there will be indictments. And I do think that's when I very first said I am now convinced that this special that the that the. DOJ will, will indict Donald for something. I just lost, I have it here, my mega millions. I'm not a billionaire. I want everyone to know that. I could have been. And I still would have shown up for the podcast. I want you to know I like doing my podcast that much. You know, I wouldn't miss to see, be with you. But um, so I'm not really good at the predictions right now. And um, But maybe you're more of a betting woman. I mean, I know you were talking about it a little bit on your podcast this week, which is, well, you think Mr. Jack Smith is moving towards an indictment or at least 
speaking out loud. Has he spoken out loud yet? I've missed that. If he has made any like formal announcements to anybody. He hasn't. He's written a couple of letters. And and this is why I'm very excited about uh, about Jax, but just personally, aside from the fact uh, he came right out of the gate with a letter to the 11th Circuit on Thanksgiving Day. A letter responding to Trump's lawyer's idiot comparison of, of the uh, special master in the Rudy Giuliani raid to the special master that he wanted for this documents case and just basically shut, shut him down. That Thanksgiving letter was like, oh, you're working on Thanksgiving, buddy. Rad. Then a December 5th letter, you know, to the to the committee saying, I need all your stuff, stat. I, you, why don't I already have it? And that's, I think, a very good and aggressive thing because you have to have all those transcripts, those audio transcripts, not because you don't feel like doing it yourself, which is what a lot of people tend to think, because you have to look you have to look for inconsistencies in testimony. Otherwise, your witnesses could be impeached on the stand at trial and you could lose. See John Durham. Um, that's what happened with Jim Baker, right? He told the inspector general investigators one thing. He told the Congress investigators another thing. And he told the grand jury another thing. Now, he wasn't lying. He just didn't have consistent testimony. And that wrecked him as a witness. And I mean, besides the fact that the entire thing wasn't material in the first place, and there shouldn't have even been a special counsel Durham because he came from inside the government, but whatever, you know. Another another story, another story. (laughs) Story for another time. Uh, So, you know, he he comes right out of the gate. He's writing letters. He's he's got his hands in this. He brings in these two new guys, Harbach and Holzer, I believe are their names, who he's worked with at the Public Integrity Unit. And and one of them at The Hague, actually, uh, worked with him at The Hague. Uh, he he goes after political figures. He's he's indicted senators and governors and presidential candidates, and he doesn't always win. He's not afraid of his win rate uh, being hurt. He follows the facts of the law and he goes after people. And I love it. He's aggressive. I think that's um, exactly what I, I think a lot of us want to hear and need to hear. And I don't think, you know, I, I don't know if it's always getting reported like that in um, in the media that, you know, something very important to note about him, as you said, is that he doesn't have to have a win rate, which I think is very important because, the you know, the classic line of punditry so far has been, uh, well, there's no precedent for this. And if you're going to go after the king, you want to make sure your facts are straight, which is still true. But you have to be able to um, sometimes you just have to go for it. and. Uh, I don't know. I feel pretty good about what kind of evidence he has. But like we have an example of that, Marissa. We have an example. He filed a contempt motion against the office of Donald John Trump saying, you need to, you know, ask her get off the pot, fish or cut bait. You need to sign an attestation letter that you've given back all your classified documents. You need to appoint a documents representative or administrator. And they kept refusing to do so. So Jack Smith went to Judge Beryl Howe and said, I would like to hold him in contempt for not doing this. And of course, he didn't get the contempt motion. And so all of the media had assumed that she denied the contempt motion, but she hasn't even actually ruled on it yet. She said, I'm going to hold this. Go try some other stuff, like an extra search. By, and, and then the judge compelled Trump to, to conduct an extra search. He said he hired an independent outside firm to do that. As it turns out, they're parlator's buddies, you know, like lawyers paid by uh, the Trump 
a group. And so the judge compelled the Trump lawyer legal team to turn over the names of those two guys at the request of the Department of Justice because they want to interview. They want to interview them in front of a grand jury. And so this is all very aggressive behavior, you know. Uh, and he's like, I, he didn't go in there saying, I'm only going to go in with a motion, a contempt motion that can win. He went in just saying, I need, I need a contempt motion. I have to file one. It's, it's in my blood. I have, I must, we must compel Trump to tell us if he's got all the rest of the classified documents. It's dumb that he won't. But it's also a really smart move too, because it really puts, I mean, because it can easily find Donald Trump in contempt if he doesn't do anything. And I think those are the little wins that we have to hold on to because I think a lot of us are exhausted and wondering when it's going to happen. And then we have the beginning of this year with all the hijinks in the House of Representatives. I mean, along with Merrick Garland, you know, making his announcement today, I also learned that now you can smoke indoors on the House of Representatives side of Congress. So things they are a change in for the, you know, and at the same time, I want to steal everyone's gas stove away. I just want to point out that this behind me is my gas stove. No one has come for it yet, which is good. No. Can we start a group like liberals with gas stoves? Because I have mine. Exactly. Um, I'm now putting some, my cranberry loaf, into the electric portion of my otherwise gas stove. I find electric ovens is much smarter. Less variation of heat. Okay. Pretend you are a Republican congressman. I'm sorry, but we're just going to just, it's a short game. We'll just play it quickly. Pretend you're a Republican congressman and you hear about people saying, oh, well, gas stoves, probably bad for the environment. Uh, We should uh, outlaw them or whatever. How do you approach, how do you think about coming up with the memes and basically the idiotic distractions of they're coming for my gas stove? Do those really serve the purpose they think? I can play this game. I'm very good at this game. <laughs> I'm a Republican congressman. Uh, I What I want to do, I don't have an agenda or a plan. I'm an obstructionist. I want to make it look like government can't work because I want autocracy. So I want everyone to hate democracy and how slow and cumbersome it is. And the best way for me to do that is to, first of all, obstruct anything that Democrats want to do you know, toward democracy or to help people, even if it's at the expense of my constituents. But the other thing I want to do is play some identity politics to make Democrats look stupid, to make them look bad. And the best way to do that is to go into their meetings and get their meeting notes and their minutes and see what they're talking about and see what seems what, you know, what my base might think of as woke. And then throw it out there and then keep repeating it and keep repeating it. That, that would be my strategy as a Republican congressman. I think it works, too. That's why they took down the magnetometers in the start of their session. Great idea. That's something be my first on my list of things to do in a place that's been violated. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a 117th Congress thing, right? So everything that does, dies with the 117th Congress dies. But it would have been very simple to say, we're just going to keep that. But they couldn't because they took friggin' four days to elect a speaker in the House. So it actually had to come down. The magnetometers had to come down because there were no rules supporting it. 
you have to go bare bones constitution before you have a speaker. And uh, we all saw what happened live on. I'm, I'm making shirts, C-SPAN and chill. <laughs> I, I would like those. And I'd like C-SPAN to still be in charge of the uh, filming. It was great. It was wonderful to see like the machinations and, and also the, the gnashing of teeth and the, the, and bar the fight. It's a, it was a bar fight. There was a bar fight. What, what would, why was he going to punch Matt Gates? I mean, other than the reason is like, he has the most punchable face going and I'm only kidding people. No, I wouldn't really punch him. Go on. It's the big giant forehead target. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. No, uh, <laughs> he, uh, no, I don't want a forehead shame. Anyway. He, he wanted, uh, he wrecked the vote by voting present. He, he tanked the 14th ballot for, uh, McCarthy. And, uh, that's why, uh, and you know these are these are older dudes who probably have a bedtime. You know, <laughs> he might have been a little cranky and needed his nap. Mister Rogers did. Yeah, he needed his nap or another. Yeah, he needed to get out and maybe have a, a solid meal and not just another protein bar because that just doesn't fill you up. I would like to see Mrs. Uh, Frazzle do it. We don't, we, we don't, we use our words. You know, the kindergarten teacher who talks to politicians. I had her on our show one time. She's fantastic. But we don't use our hands to communicate. Do we know? Oh, we, need no. to- <laughs> we need to use nice words as well to communicate, which doesn't always happen either. Always have to make sure you have taken your nap. That's why we take naps. Most airbrushed and well-dressed person in Congress right now is George Santos. That fo- I can't, I, I, I don't know. It's like also, I used to feel this way about looking at pictures of Ivanka Trump where I'd sort of stare at them closely and I couldn't stop looking for all the beautifications that had been done. And if you look at his official portrait, I think they probably did the Photoshopping using his camera, you know, where it's like, like on his phone where it's like, no, 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 like, you know, where they can do that filter and it totally gets rid of every line because, you know, he's ancient. George Santos, like, is he, is he a him problem? Like he created his own problem. Is it an us problem? Is it a Republican problem? Like how, how do we get there? And hadn't anybody ever met a pathological, pathological liar before? It's funny because, you know, he, when asked if he was going to resign, he said, no, I was elected to represent the third district of New York. And, and the word I is doing a lot of heavy lifting there, right? Because who are you? But he, he's, this is fantastic for me. I, this, I love this because he's either going to resign. Now he's got pressure from the state GOP of New York, not just the congressional, um, uh, Nassau County GOP, but the state GOP leaders. A lot of calls for him to resign. McCarthy said he's not going to expel him or anything like that. But here's the problem for Republicans. Either this guy resigns or the Democrats win New York's third. It's very simple because if, if you, I mean, he's going to, it's going to be so easy for now for Democrats because now the Republicans want him to resign. And if the, if no one listens to them, they kind of lose a lot of credibility in their district. And so there's, I, I think he will have to, be, to resign to save that district for, for Republicans in the future, honestly. I, I, I hope you're right. 
I don't know who will do the convincing because it's very hard to convince somebody who thinks that way. And to my point, sort of snarky point a few minutes ago, which is, hasn't anybody met a pathological liar before? This man, I've met them, some very, very nice ones who just have incredible feelings of inadequacy or whatever. It sort of drives their need to fabricate around themselves. You, My spidey sense tingled around these people. So when you have this man who says all the things that he has, no one thought maybe this was a bad idea. And that's why I say, is this really an us problem? Yeah, I don't. I don't know, because I am not want to blame Democrats for not doing oppo research on bad people. But come on, like, this was very easily verifiable stuff. Now, of course, Zimmerman says there was oppo research done and the media didn't run with it because really, because I didn't I never heard of it. It, it, it had it gotten into my hands, I would have blown it up. I don't know what happened, but I think that it's something that the DNC and the DCCC should take a look at to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I hate that we're always reactive and not proactive. It kills us every single time. I mean, we did a great job of preventing the red wave, and there would have been uh, without Gen Z and our organizational skills and all of the things that the Biden agenda encompassed and achieved in such a short period of time to, to make it. So we're almost all like, you know what? I don't care if no more bills pass for the next two years. As long as the Republicans implode, I'll be here to watch that. Now that's, that's a a crummy way to feel about your government and the system that, that should be respected. And, but the house has just been in decline for a very long time, especially on the right, uh, predominantly on the right. It's just ridiculous. Who's getting in. As we look forward to the coming few months, uh, do you have any strong feelings about what's going to happen in Fulton County? That Now, Fonnie Willis has always been my horse in this race. I have had my money on Fonnie Willis since the jump. Okay. Now, she's got her, her, her special purpose grand jury has, has wrapped and they've finished their report. They've handed their recommendations to Fonnie Willis, who now will take whatever those recommendations are. And I'm, I'm 100% certain there's re- recommendations for indictments. Take that over to a regular grand jury and get those indictments. Now, there's a hearing coming up in 12 days as to uh, whether Judge, uh, I think his name is Judge McBurney, is, is, is going to do this hearing about whether or not to release that report. And I think the grand jury has said we would like to release the report as a presentment, right? And um, that's that first part of the Fifth Amendment that Republicans don't know about. They only know about the there's self-incrimination. Um, but there we, you know, there we are. And we'll see what happens. I would like to, I would love to see the report. I'm assuming there we will see probably shortly after January 24th, because uh, I don't think she's going to go get a grand jury indictment before the hearing with the judge. I think we'll see who she saw fit to indict. Interesting. Who would you indict? In that scheme, I would indict for sure. I would indict Eastman. Clark, who wrote the letters to the states that got never got delivered, the fraudulent electors themselves, um, and and she seems to be going multi-state, not just Georgia, but it, for sure the Georgia fraudulent electors. There's eleven of them. Rudy Giuliani 
for certain. And Donald Trump, for sure. Now, one I'm not sure about, Lindsey Graham. That uh, was my question as well. Does anything <laughs> ever happen to Lindsey Graham? Ever? I don't know. It's going to be tougher because, I mean, he can say he was making those phone calls about comparing ballot signatures because he's a senator. And, you know, he's interested in making sure as a senator that the um, votes are counted right properly. And, you know, even if it's not South Carolina <clears throat> where I represent, but, you know, but because it impacts the presidency and, you know, whatever. I mean, he can really try to speech or debate clause his way out of this one. And I, I need to see what the courts will say about that. Uh, and, and, uh, but, you know, she might just throw it up there and, and go for it and see what sticks. I was, as you were talking about Lindsey Graham, I was having these images of him. Do you know what a blancmange is? Like the, it's, it's a, a wobbly white dessert. It's basically like a, a molded creamy dessert. And it's sort of, the, uh, Monty Python did a brilliant sketch about like an attack blancmange. And whenever I think about Lindsey Graham, I get this image in my head of this big wobbly blancmange sort of um, dessert sort of scuttling across the floor. I thought everyone should think about him that way. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I, like the, I like the Lindsay fish example. You know, where there's what's a, wait, what's the Lindsay fish example? There's a fish that lives solely. Uh, his whole purpose in life is to clean plankton off of sharks. Right. And, and, and in return, he gets protection and, and love, you know, and so, but once that shark dies, he's like, peace out and goes find another shark. And so that's kind of the, they call him the Lindsay fish because he's like, he just tediously tends to whoever has the most power and then, and then moves on when that, when that hat goes away. It's perfect description. Perfect. From one shark to the other. As we start to finish up here on this delightful podcast and my kitchen is beginning to smell very, very nice. Can you, can you smell it over there? And <laughs> delicious. Um, I, you know, I actually, I know exactly what you're making and I, the, the orange zest and the orange flavor with the, like I can, like I, it's in my nose right now thinking about it. It's a powerful memory of that smell. Um, and I'm going to glaze it with a sort of a marmalade glaze to make my husband happy. And also I like the bitterness of marmalade and just sort of me. What are you girding your loins for this year? What, what, what concerns you? What are your, what, what keeps you up at night? I hope nothing, but what could keep you up at night? One thing, if there's enough obstruction, and like this happened in the Mueller investigation with Manafort, for example, and Flynn, and there was, a, there was enough obstruction that Mueller was unable to prove criminal conspiracy. And that's what, that's my, that's what keeps me up at night. Is there going to be enough obstruction that can't be broken through or immunized away that could cause Trump to not be indicted, uh, to, for there not to be enough criminal evidence of criminal behavior? And, but that can only happen in certain indictments, right? There are some very open and shut cases that I think will be indicted. For example, his uh, fraudulent election fund that never existed, but he raised money and told people that he, that your money would go to help me fight these legal battles to save the election from being stolen. There's a new round of subpoenas out from Jack Smith asking specifically about that fund and defrauding donors is a crime. 
And this is a very clear cut case of that. So that's just one example of, of a crime that can't be obstructed away. But the big ones, like the fraudulent elector scheme, I just, fortunately, there's so many people involved in that, hundreds of people involved in that. Not everybody can obstruct, but I thought the same thing about the Mueller probe. So we'll see. Okay. So our bets are hedged, but there's a little bit of hope. I want to talk to um, the people out there who are girding their loins for nothing to happen to Donald Trump. And what happens then? Like I've, we, we spent a lot of time or I've spent a lot of time as a nervous liberal getting bent out of shape about, oh, the Republicans are doing this, that, and the other thing. And, and they are, they're believing the wrong things. And we need to learn how to like message to them. But we have a, groups of us, and I'm sure I know you're acquainted with them, are people who are very concerned that nothing will happen to Donald Trump and what will happen then? Will we, will we all head into the streets? I, t- I tend not to worry about things that haven't happened yet. One thing I'm very grateful for is the appointment of a special counsel in both of these cases, because a special counsel is required to tell you why they didn't indict. They have to, by law, report that to Congress. Department of Justice does not have to do that uh, on their own. So that is why I'm very excited that there's a special counsel, because if someone chooses not to prosecute something, they have to tell you what they investigated and they have to tell you why they didn't, what they didn't prosecute and That's why they didn't. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. Um, and so at least we can learn. And I, you know, I can shout like, hey, this is a really good point, but people are still going to be mad if, if Donald Trump is not held accountable. And rightfully so, because if Donald Trump is not held, and, and when I, for me, the idea of being held accountable is to indict him, because government really doesn't have any control over the jury and who's on the jury or whether there's a conviction or what the sentencing is. They can make recommendations, but that's up to a judge, and the conviction is 100% up to that jury. So for me, accountability is indictment because it's what the government can control. And that has to happen. And if it doesn't, then that is a failure of our judicial system, in my personal opinion. And it could, I mean, to me, it sort of marks the end of the rule of law being equally applied to people. Yeah. I mean, I know you're saying politely that it's like your own personal opinion that would be the end of like, you know this system of laws that we have. But the truth is that criminal prosecution is not just meant to punish the person who may or may not have done something or who've done something wrong, but it's to hate shape general behavior. And it just becomes a free for all. If we don't, if nothing happens to some of these people or and especially Donald Trump and the disease of fascism continues to spread farther and farther abroad and your hopeful predictions and if you have any mega millions numbers there, it's up to a billion now again for the next drawing. You want me to give you a lottery number? <laughs> <laughs> no, no uh, other predictions are fine too. Um, other predictions are fine. I think uh, personally, I think Donald Trump will be indicted on 18 U.S. Code 371, 1512 C2. Uh, I don't know that he'll be uh, indicted for inciting an insurrection or seditious conspiracy. But those two are slam dunks as far as the evidence goes. We've seen Barb McQuaid's sample prosecution memo at Just Security uh, for that. And I do believe that he will be indicted for 793 espionage, uh, 1519 especially, which is obstructing, obstruction of justice in the, in the documents case uh, review, and, uh, and probably 2071 as well. What's Conceal- 2071? 
concealing government documents, and then probably a 1001 charge for lying about having. So those are my predictions as to what the indictments will be. Whether he indicts first on the documents and then later on January 6th, or whether he wraps it all up in one giant bow, I think that this is going to happen by midsummer. All of these will happen by midsummer this year, probably sooner. Um, but that's the timeline, by the way, that I have been saying and using since the beginning, because I've been going by the Watergate timeline. And by the Watergate timeline, indictments would drop in April. And this is much bigger than Watergate, but. Fair enough. Good use of historical sources, too, because I think um, the problem is we watch the news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's only so much you can report. So we keep hearing the same things and it makes us more and more anxious. And we don't have any sense of like the reality of how much time things take. So we should start the new year with a lot of patience, continued patience, but a glimmer of hope. Yeah. And I know it's hard because, and I understand people are frustrated. I really do. But I, you know, if you listen to the Jack podcast, you can sort of get an understanding of why things have taken so long and that it's justified that things have taken so long. Uh, there are some things that I don't think, I mean, in, you know, to appoint all of our U.S. attorneys took far too long and that was Republican obstruction. And, and I think it took far too long to assemble the, the one six committee because DOJ can't indict until one six committee was done, but they weren't going to be done until the end of the Congress anyway. So we would have had to wait that long, waited that long regardless. But I do understand. I just want to say I, I empathize with the frustration. I really do. Of course you do. I mean, you feel it as well. I He's mean, out there doing junk. But, you know, I will say indicting him, which to me is what my definition of justice is and accountability is, will not stop him. He will be out on bail, just like Steve Bannon is right now. He's been indicted twice and convicted. And he's still out there doing his Steve Bannon thing, helping insurrections in Brazil. So. I, that doesn't, the, the, the idea that I think people are stuck on is that indicting them will just stop it all together and it won't, and it, it never will. Um, but that you have to cut the head off the fish, off the, you know, the snake or whatever the all is that you, I would rather not hurt any animals in this podcast, but hydras, they're mythical. Like you do. There that. you go. Hydra. You have to cut the heads off the hydra mm -hmm. to stop it. Uh, it deters people from doing it in the future a little bit, but it's still up to, as Rachel Maddow said, there's no magic bullet. It's up to the courts. It's up to the voters. It's up to the people. It's up to the the systems and the guardrails and the Department of Justice. And everything has to be firing on all cylinders to preserve democracy and not one person can save it. I think that is a perfect note to end um, the first podcast of the year on. I think you've given us a very strong platform to um or structure to um take with us to the rest uh, into the rest of the year so i i'm grateful for you to showing up here and i'm sorry i don't have any cake for you but just know that i would i definitely would give you cake thank you so much for being on and onwards and upwards everybody please listen to the jack podcast it is fantastic and so goes so in depth and brilliant so thank you so much for that for keeping us informed Thank you to my guest, Allison Gill. Please listen to her new podcast named Jack and follow her on Twitter. 
You can find the recipe for the orange bread on my Substack at marissarothkopf.substack.com. Please have a wonderful week. See you soon.